Hey everyone, Essen Reza here from Century 21 Innovative Realty back with you for another webinar episode. And this time around, we're gonna do things a little bit differently where I'm going to be answering your questions. Uh, so no guests today, it's just gonna be myself and my cameraman who is going to be answering or asking us these questions. Uh, Nikki, you can't really see him, but he's there and that uh, you'll be hearing him throughout the audio as well. So without further ado, let's get to our first question. Nick, let's uh, see you throwing at me right now. All right, man. So first question I have for you is, we bought our home this past summer and paid over asking. I'm noticing now nothing is selling over the listing price the way it sold before. What would your advice be to people who bought to get into the market, but it wasn't their dream or ideal home? You know, for example, due to location. Yeah, that's, that's a great first question we have here. And I would say first and foremost, congrats on getting into the market. I know a lot of people are having a tough time, even in this environment where, you know, the market is down. But the fact that you're in the market, even if it was in your first uh, choice of location, that's still a positive sign in the first place. Now, in terms of things selling over asking, previously we did see homes going way above asking price, which was the norm. Uh, I would say since April or May, a lot of the homes have been sitting on the market for a little bit longer and they've been selling under asking price. And that's not the case for all homes because now what we're trying to sort of starting to see is that homes are being listed at the current market price. And due to that, you know, some homes are even ask, selling over asking um, and some will sell below asking. So my recommendation now would be if you are looking for, let's say, to get into your dream location, you might want to do some research in that area, see if it's affordable for you and your family, do you qualify for that neighborhood or not, and maybe it's possible that neighborhood that you want to move into has come down in price significantly, and maybe it may be in your budget at this time. Awesome. Then hopefully that helps, uh, helps people ask that question. So the next question I have for you, Essen, is the Bank of Canada just raised rates again in December. I'm on a variable mortgage and I'm paying almost $800 more since I first started. I bought my home in the summer of 2021 and the value of my home went up since then. However, I'm sure it has come down. I am, I am able to sustain the increase so far, but it just means taking on more overtime at work and spending less time with my family. What do you anticipate uh, for next year in terms of interest rate hikes? Yeah, so that's a common question that I'm getting a lot from a lot of my clients and uh, database as well, where people that are on a variable rate mortgage or payments have gone up because of the interest rate hikes. Now, the Bank of Canada came out with their announcement just about a week ago, and I felt my opinion was that the language and tone was a little bit different. So for example, in the previous hikes, the tone was that there's gonna be more rate hikes coming. And so we were all ready for those rate hikes. The tone now in the most previous or most recent rate hike was that the Bank of Canada is going to consider whether or not another rate hike is needed. Now, I think what we're seeing here is that the Bank of Canada is nearing the end of their rate hike cycle, which is good news for a lot of us. There is a possibility that we may see one more rate hike in January or February. It's not certain right now, but there is a possibility. I mean, I'm of the opinion that I think this was the last rate hike. I could be wrong. The Bank of Canada can always surprise us, but I think this was the last one. And if there is going to be another rate increase, there might just be one more and it may be a small one. So don't take that as fact. But I think at the end of the day, we are nearing the end of the rate hike cycle. Um, and also to add to that, you know, aside from the financial impact this, happen this is having on Canadians and homeowners, it is also a social 
mental impact that's also having on uh, homeowners as well. Because now, like you said, you're taking on more working hours, you're working overtime, spending less time with your family, you're probably going to spend less time outside uh, restaurants or dining out. And so all this stuff has an impact because now you're just concentrated on making that mortgage payment. And so I hope the Bank of Canada realizes this, that yes, we do have to curb inflation, we have to balance it out, but at what cost? Is it worth you know, maybe impacting the lives of people financially, socially, mentally. So that's kind of got to be considered in between all of these. And I hope the Bank of Canada makes the right decision in the next rate hike or hopefully no rate hike at all. Awesome. I hope that doesn't happen too. Um, it's getting tougher people out here. Yeah, absolutely. So next question, it, it ties into the, the last question that I asked you. Um, so, you know, with it, with the interest rate hikes and a lot of the, the stories we're hearing about people struggling to buy their first homes right now due to unaffordability um, and, and people selling their homes due to unaffordability, um, as an investor, is it a good time to swoop in and get a property below market value or should we hold off? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, in some ways, you know, it's, it's a little bit, I would say, disheartening because, you know, you're going to see people that are going to be in a tough situation. And the fact is, is that there are going to be investors out there that are going to take advantage of the situation. So, um, you know, it's, it's great for investors, but it's not so great for people who are struggling financially. So if you're asking me, you know, if this is a good opportunity for you to swoop in and get a property below market value, yes, there are some opportunities out there that I'm seeing that are selling well below asking price. Um, and you might catch a desperate seller or two. Um, my advice would be to really, really take a look and be patient, see what's out there in the marketplace, really do a due diligence, find out why people are selling. I think that's a big motivation as well to know what situation they're in. Sometimes the realtor will tell you why they're selling. As a seller or as a realtor for my seller, I never disclose to other clients, you know, why my seller is selling because that kind of gives away your cards in the first place. But if that's the information that you can grab onto, I think it will help you in, you know, giving an offer that might be reasonable for you. Now, at the end of the day, you know, I think that even though there are going to be people selling that are going to have to sell, I don't really see a flood of inventory hitting the market because at the end of the day, you know, not everyone is impacted by the interest rate hikes. There are some people that are also on fixed mortgages, and that's almost half of all Canadians. And a lot of Canadians actually don't even have a mortgage. So those people that are interest <clears throat> that are going to be impacted are the ones that are on the variable rate mortgages. And so you might not <clears throat> see a flood of inventory, but I think you will see some inventory that will come out where there will be sellers who will be panicked to sell. And that's where you may be able to get a better price. Yeah, that, that makes sense, especially in such a competitive market. Yeah. You wouldn't, yeah. You wouldn't see it just absolutely flooded. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So it's like keep an eye out and make sure that if, it, if it deals too good to be true, it might not be. Yeah, exactly. And I would also add that to that, you know, like a lot of people are waiting for that mass inventory coming. Like I said, you know, most people, I believe, are going to scrape and claw to try to make that mortgage payment, right? Because the last thing people want to do is lose their houses. So what are they going to do? They're going to maybe, you know, uh, tone it down and not, you know, eat out outside as much. Maybe, you know, unfortunately take the kids out of extracurricular activities to save up that money. So that's not good, but at the end of the day, nobody wants to lose their house. And I think people are going to do whatever they can to save that. And because of that, I don't think we're going to see a mass inventory uh, of, of homes on the market in the near future. We will see some, but not like what people are expecting. Cool, that makes a lot of sense. It's a great answer. So the next question <clears throat> is, um, you know, we see horror headlines a lot right now. Right. Um, you know, bubbles popping, this, that, the other. So how is how actually is the market right now from a real, realtor's perspective, and where do you see things ending up next year? 
So the market right now is really interesting because sales have been down by 50% year over year from last year. And so from a sales volume perspective, the market is down. However, the average sale price, if you look at the last four months, so July, August, September, October, and even November, now five months, the average sale price has actually stabilized. So it's between that 1.07 to 1.09 mark. So it hasn't gone up or gone down much. It's kind of stabilized. And the reason for that is because sellers are now taking their properties off the market and we're seeing less and less inventory. So even though buyer demand is down, so are listings, so is inventory. And so those listings that are out there, the buyers don't have a lot of choice. And I think this is why prices have stabilized. Now, granted, if you look at year over year, prices are down 7%. And if you look at it from a perspective of February, which is the peak of the market up until now, prices have gone down almost 20%. So I believe most of the bloodbath is already over. Is there gonna be another price correction? There possibly could be maybe five or 7% because of the interest rate hike that just happened. But I mean, if you're expecting a 20, 40% drop in prices, I personally don't see that happening because I think sellers are not putting their homes up on the market. They're gonna wait till things get better. And you never know, things could change, but I don't see that scenario happening. I think most of that bloodbath is over. If there is a correction, maybe another 5%, 7%, but I don't think beyond that we're gonna see much more. It sounds good. So basically my takeaway is don't read the headlines and if you have actually real questions, call your realtor to, yeah, to get yeah. that. Yeah. Call, call your realtor, call other investors who are in the field right now. You know, people like to read headlines because they're catchy, but they don't read the full article sometimes. And so really look at it from a objective opinion. Um, you know, speak to myself, speak to a mortgage broker, because we're in the ground every single day. We're talking to people. We have an idea as to what the mentality is. And we can probably give you a more accurate answer than what the headlines are giving you. Awesome. So uh, next question. Um, I'm a, I'm a first time home buyer looking to purchase, but I'm wondering if I should wait a little longer. Do you think prices will come down further and when would be a good time to buy? Yeah, so I think uh, we kind of answered that in the previous question, but I'll kind of reiterate as to what I am seeing. Right now, if you are a buyer, my advice to my buyers is always keep your pulse on the market. I think the worst thing you can do is completely take yourself away and wait on the sidelines and say, I'm not going to look at anything because you might miss out on certain opportunities that were there that might not be there before. So for example, let's just say if you're in the house, in the market for a home, you have a good down payment, go out, shop for homes, do your due diligence, look at all of your choices. You don't have to make a rush decision now, you can be patient. And the best thing about this market right now is that you can actually do your home inspection, you can do your financing, you can take your time, you can make an informed decision. Whereas you couldn't do this in the past, let's say just seven, eight months ago when the market was super hot. And if you think the prices will come down even more, that's fine. Uh, with all due respect, you can absolutely wait and wait to time the market. But one thing I'll tell you is that our market has been very, very resilient in the past and you never know when things will pick up on a dime and things happen very fast. And so while everyone is waiting on the sidelines, my opinion is that if you're a buyer, if you're motivated, go and take a look right now. You'll be surprised as to what opportunities are out there. And again, you don't have to pull the trigger right away. Make a decision, make an informed decision, look at the property in detail, and then pull the trigger when you're ready. Cool, good answer. Um, so the next question is, I have a condo which I brought, uh, sorry, my apology, let me restart that. I have a condo which I bought pre-construction some years ago. I've made a good gain on appreciate, 
appreciation and was enjoying the low rates. With rates going up now, I'm negative cash flow by almost $1,000 a month. I'm not sure what to do at this point. I might want to sell because I feel prices go down further, so I might be better off to cash out before I lose out on my equity. I bought for $415,000 and the value went up to $675,000, but now it's come down to $550,000. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because I know a lot of people are going through this very similar scenario right now where their cash flow negative due to the interest rate hike. And I have a couple of answers for this scenario. My first advice would be if you can sustain this loss on a monthly basis, I would say hold on to your asset. And the reason why I say this is because let's compare and do a cost benefit analysis. You're $1,000 negative cash flow a month, so for the year you'll be about 12,000 negative. But if you sell that property, you're gonna trigger a lot of expenses as well, which are called your selling costs. So you have your broker fees, you have your legal fees. You might wanna do some touch-ups to the property, so that may cost you a little bit of money to get the property ready to show. And then you're gonna have your taxes as well, your capital gains taxes. And so if you look at all those expenses, that's gonna add up and that's gonna eat up a significant amount of your equity. You'll still be in the green, you'll still make money if you sell it, but is it really worth it for you to sell an entire asset, which maybe you could have benefited from the future or your kids could benefit down the road than to make up for a short-term loss? So my advice would be to reevaluate on a year-over-year -year basis. So at this time next year, you know, ask yourself, Am I able to sustain this property for another year? Now, the second option is that let's just say you cannot sustain it now or even after a year and you are in a significant cash crunch. Obviously, you don't want to put yourself in that situation in that uh, sense. Yeah, you might be better off selling the property and using that money to maybe pay out some debts or help your family financially. And so you have to evaluate your situation. But my first option has always been never, ever, ever sell your investment property for a short term loss that you're experiencing in the market because this property, if you hold long-term, is going to have a lot more enormous benefits for you and your kids and your family in the future. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you make, you make money in the hold, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's always about uh, buy and hold long-term. Cool. So the next one is the age-old question. Should I buy or sell my home first? Right. That's, uh, yeah, that question I get no matter what the market is like, whether it's a hot market, or a cold market, I would say it depends on the market situation. So right now we're in a bit of a slower market where you know, homes are taking a little bit longer to sell. The good thing is that homes are still selling within 30 to 35 days. So if you price it right, you'll still sell. My advice right now has always been to sell first and then buy. Now, the question here is obviously, you know, what if I can't find a home that I like? And that's a very, very common fear that a lot of people have. And the strategy I use for my clients is let's do things simultaneously. So if you put your home on the market to sell, at the same time, what I'm doing is I'm showing my sellers homes that they will like and potentially buy um, while the home is on the market. So let's just say the home is on the market for 10 days and we've identified a property that we like. If we get an offer on our home, we're gonna check back with that property to see that is that property still on the market. Once we sell our property, we're gonna immediately put an offer on the other property that we liked and try to get that done. If we haven't found a property that we like and we've sold our property or we've gotten an offer on our property, in that case, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna ask the buyers to give us a really long closing. It could be three months, four months, 
And that in this market will give you enough time to at least find what you're looking for. The last thing you want is to sell your property and have to find and rush to get something else within a month. That's very difficult. So always ask for a longer closing, do things simultaneously, pick out the property that you like while your property is on the market for sale. That'll make things a lot smoother. And it's actually a lot easier than you think. Yeah, it sounds like a really good strategy actually. Yeah. yeah. It takes a little bit of the pressure off uh, as you're doing it. So this next question um, is a bit of a doozy. Uh, so I have an investment property and my tenants have stopped paying me rent. They were usually good with rent, but were late at times. However, I didn't really make a big deal of it. In hindsight, I should have done something. It's now been four months and I've heard horror stories with the landlord tenant board. I've also applied to the board for an eviction. What do you recommend I do at this stage? That's another common uh, scenario that we're seeing a lot in this market where tenants have stopped paying rent and it could be for variable, you know, various reasons. Um, we're not here to judge, but at the end of the day, I think that landlords also have to be financially equipped and they have to look out for themselves as well. My recommendation in this scenario has always been one thing is that don't go at this alone. So if you're going to file an application for the LTB, it's very difficult because number one, they've got a significant backlog and, and they're really, really uh, backlogged at this moment. And if you even make one mistake or one error on your application, you have to restart over. So what I recommend to my clients or people in the scenario is hire a paralegal or a lawyer who has experience with the LTB. The great thing about that is that they will fill out your forms properly. They will take everything from A to Z, make sure that you have all the paperwork lined up and that all the steps are in order. Obviously there is going to be a fee. That fee can be anywhere between $3,000 and $4,000. It's a one-time fee, but I'm telling you it's so worth it because once you get that process started, with the paralegal. Yes, it may take nine or 12 months to get the eviction if the judge orders that, but it makes your job a lot easier. There is gonna be pain in that short term, but hopefully hiring a paralegal who knows what they're doing is gonna alleviate that pain and make it a bit less stressful for you in the future. Yeah, it just goes back to getting an expert. Just get a professional no matter what. I always find that if you try to do things on your own, you know, you might have time on your hands, but there's a good chance you'll make a little bit of a mistake. And that mistake is going to cost you even more money and more time. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's really good advice. Um, so this next question is probably a one a lot of people are feeling right now. So <coughs> I have some money lying around to put down on an investment property. But with all the headlines and interest rate hikes, I'm really hesitant to buy. I'm also hearing that investors are now on the sidelines. I foresee another rate hike coming and prices coming down. When would be a good time to invest or should I just wait until the next, uh, until 2024? Yeah, another great question. And a lot of investors are on the sidelines right now, but I think we read a lot of media headlines and they say that all investors are on the side. That's not, that's not the case because not all investors are on the sidelines. There's always people shopping around, even if it's a down market. In fact, I would say the savvy investor is looking now and keeping a pulse on the market. So you're right, there could be another rate hike in January coming. I don't think there is going to be one. That's my personal opinion. I think we're already done. But if there is one that could impact pricing a little bit more, um, which is an opportunity for investors. So what would be a good time to invest? It really depends. Like I said before, if, you're, if you have a pulse on the market and you see an opportunity today, you might want to pull the trigger. And I know, and trust me, even if you buy a property now, there's a chance that the property values could go down another five or 7%.
But I always tell my clients, it's always about the long term. Buy and hold long term. You know, someone once told me that, you know, Warren Buffett buys stocks when nobody else is buying. And I think we've got to have that same mentality with real estate. When everybody else is on the sidelines, at least look, at least start looking for opportunity because that's when nobody else is looking or less people are looking. And so this is an opportunity for you to really go in, shop the marketplace. And historically speaking, you know, the GTA has always been a seller's market and we haven't seen this sort of opportunity in the past before. And so canvas the market, go out there, look at whatever you can. You'll be surprised at all how many opportunities are out there. And you could wait till 2024, but there's also a chance that by 2024, Things may rebound, things may pick up, and it may be a little bit more competitive uh, at that time frame. So start looking now. You might find something you like and pull the trigger when you feel comfortable. Yeah, it's a, that makes a lot of sense, um, especially with immigration and stuff being ramped up. I think you're probably right there with having, you know, in the next coming years, less opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Invest, and I think right? immigration, uh, like the bank, the, the Canadian government said that within... 2025, they've upped their numbers to 500,000. Yeah. Um, and so we have a massive population influx happening in Canada, which a lot of those people come to the GTA. And right now, we're not supplying or building enough houses to meet those demands. So in the long run, I think there's going to be significant demand and upward uh, in the market. Um, but before that happens, I think these next few months would be a good window of opportunity for a lot of investors. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So the next question is, how long will it take to sell my home right now in this market? And when is the best time to sell my home during the year? And third part to the question is, is it a good time to sell right now with all the uncertainty? Okay, so that's a three-part question yeah. there. So how long will it take to sell my home right now? On average, it's taking about 30 to 35 days if you've priced your home correctly according to the market price. Um, when's the best time to sell the home? So historically in the past, I would say pre-pandemic, a really good time to list was usually the springtime or the fall time. And it was mostly buyer psychology because springtime, the weather was getting better. People were in a better mood. You know, it's easier to drive outside. And in the fall time, you know, it was the kids were back to school and uh, parents had some more time to look for homes and they wanted to kind of close things off before the new year. But now, after the pandemic, I feel like all that's kind of been thrown out the window. And because inventory is shrinking, any time during the year is a good time to list right now. Me personally, what I've found the last couple of years, I really like January, February, March, just before the spring market, because during those times, inventory is very, very low. And there's actually a lot of buyers looking in the new year. And so what happens is that you're actually competing with less listings and you're one of the few listings out there on the market and you might be able to get maybe, you know, a couple of offers in your property and maybe able to get a good price. Um, the only time frame I would probably avoid is maybe end of December, the last two weeks of the holiday break, just because people are on holidays, you know, people are with families. And I think people start looking when the new year or before that. And so any time throughout the year would be a good time to sell. Um, just market it properly. And I think you'll get a good price. Um, is it a good time to sell right now with all the uncertainty? Again, it depends on your personal situation. Um, if you are in a cash crunch and you need to sell, uh, I think you can still sell it at good value if you price it right. Again, if you don't need to sell the property and you're just trying to sell it because you want to get your equity out, um, then maybe you might better off holding on and, and seeing what happens in the next year or so. Cool.
So this <coughs> next question is a bit of an interesting one. Uh, so why did the Bank of Canada lie to us? Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a very angry question. Yeah, a little, a little heated. <laughs> a little heated. I, I think I know who this individual is as well. I won't say his name, but uh, the situation here in context was uh, this individual purchased a pre-construction uh, about eight months ago when the market was still at its peak. And at the time, rates were super low. And the hope and goal was that when his property closes, you know, he can still take advantage of those low rates. But lo and behold, the rates skyrocketed. Um, the prices went down. His closing is coming up in April. And so it's in a, he's in a bit of a tough situation in terms of, you know, what he expected and what he's getting right now. Why did the Bank of Canada lie to us? Well, <laughs> so, a few months, a few years ago, actually, a couple years ago, when the pandemic was early, I think he's referring to when uh, Tiff Macklin, the Bank of Canada, um, uh, he, he mentioned where interest rates were going to stay low for a very long time, at least up until 2023. And so he encouraged everyone to go out there, buy assets, borrow, um, because rates were low. And what ended up happening was instead of rates, you know, going up in 2023, rates went up a lot earlier in 2022. And so obviously this individual thinks the Bank of Canada lied to us because they promised us one thing and they did something else. Now, obviously this was because of inflation. They're trying to curb inflation. We printed a lot of money and because of that, we have to raise the rates. Does raising rates actually help inflation in the long run? That's the whole discussion itself. But I think right now a lot of people feel, you know, angry and upset because of the situation and rightfully so. I just hope the Bank of Canada realizes that at some point, this is not going to become sustainable. They need to make changes. Um, the good thing is that I believe in the future, maybe in a year from now, rates should come down a little bit. That's my opinion and talking to people in the banking industry. Rates should come down a little bit. They're not going to come down to historic lows again, but they may be somewhat reasonable for us again so we can move forward and make life more sustainable financially for all of us. Cool. So, yeah, they died, but at least... There's some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we're definitely at the end of the rate hike cycle, which is good. And like you said, we, do, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Awesome. So the next question is, <coughs> I own a couple of income properties and I will likely need to sell one in the near future. But I'm waiting for the next big rebound to cash in. I'm not desperate to sell, but my plan is to sell and then use the money for some other investments. When do you think the market will become hot again? That's a great question. It's hard to predict when the market's going to become hot again. You know, I always look at historical data. So back in 2017, the market dipped significantly because of the new housing rules that the Ontario government came out with. And it took about probably a couple of years for things to rebound. And it wasn't until 2020, 2021 where things exploded again. So you're talking about three years for a rebound to happen. Now, the market came down in the summer of 2022 or even a little bit earlier. So I think the next two years are going to be relatively balanced, in my opinion. The next big rebound, it's really tough to say, but I do think with the mass influx of population coming into Canada um, and the limited housing supply that we have, I do see a demand coming again. I think this uh, is going to be short term, the, the market downtrend. I think eventually in the long term, there is going to be a rebound again. You know, how much is that rebound going to be? I don't know. I can't really say. I don't think we're going to see that 20, 30 percent increase in value year over year anytime soon. And I hope we don't see that because that's not good for the market either. I hope to see maybe a 5% appreciation year over year. And I think 2024, 2025 is when things might stabilize again. Um, but in terms of the big rebound to cash in, it's always tough to time the market. 
just kind of look at your situation, see what your values are year over year. And if it makes sense to sell, sell. If it doesn't, then hold on for the long term. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Especially if uh, you're waiting out, you know, for a good time to buy that other investment. Yeah. It might yeah. be dependent. It's always tough too, to yeah. time it, honestly. Right. Mm -hmm. I would say even my situation, you know, I sold the property um, during the pandemic. Um, I, I go back and I look at the values. I'm like, oh, I could have got 50K more. But you can't regret. I mean, the market is the market. You know, I had my reasons to sell and I'm happy. Um, you're always going to have some sort of regret, but don't look at it that way. It's what matters in that time and situation that you were in at that point. And just be happy with what you have. Yeah, I mean, if we could all see the future, we'd all be billionaires, 100%. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, next question. I recently purchased my home. However, when my appraisal came in, $50,000 lower than my purchase price. Luckily, I'm still in my financing conditional period, so I have the option to back out. Family loves the home, but my fear is that I might have overpaid. I'm on the fence now whether or not I should go through with the deal. Okay, well, the good thing here is that you're still in your financial conditional period, so that's a positive because a lot of people actually had their appraisals coming a lot lower just before closing, and so now they're a little bit screwed over. You know, it doesn't mean that you've overpaid for the property because appraisals sometimes can also be inaccurate, right? The appraiser will come in and look at some comparables in the area, um, and sometimes, you know, they may not always get it right, but sometimes they do. Now, my suggestion is that you might want to talk to your mortgage broker or bank and get another appraiser in there to see if they can appraise the value. Have you overpaid for the, val the property itself? Not all the time. Just because your appraisal becomes lower than what you paid for doesn't mean you've overpaid for the property. Your property may be something that's renovated or something you like, and so it might be worth what you paid for. But I think what you should do is if you really like the property, if your family likes the property, as you know right now, inventory is very low. It's hard to find a property that's going to match all your criteria. Don't be afraid to move forward if this is a property you can see yourself living in long term. But if you're kind of unsure on the fence about the property itself, then you might want to reconsider and get something else. In terms of that difference, obviously, you know, if you've paid more than what the appraised value came in at, you're going to have to come up with that difference. So make sure you have that cash ready on closing, because if you don't have that cash ready, then it's going to be really hard to close on the property and come up with the money. So do all your due diligence, speak to your broker, your bank, make sure everything is in order um, before you pull the trigger. But if you really like the home, uh, don't be afraid to, to kind of go through with it and, and, you know, live there for the long term. All right. Next question. Um, you know, every, you know, everyone thinks Toronto is the capital of Canada, but it's not. Um, what are some other good cities in Canada to invest in right now? Yeah, great question. Toronto is not the capital. No, of yeah, it's definitely not. I'm, I'm making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, great! I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you want to re-ask yeah. it? Okay. Re yeah, yes. Right, okay, no but mention that Toronto. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> funny. It's a funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, so next question. Uh, <laughs> despite people thinking Toronto is the capital of Canada, it is not, and there's other cities in our country. Right. What are some other good cities in Canada to invest in right now? Yeah, so Canada has a lot more cities in Toronto itself, like, like Nick said, um, that are pretty prominent. And there's tons of opportunities across Canada itself. Um, I can probably speak more on Ontario itself because I live in Ontario and I live in southern Ontario. I would say that a lot of places on the outskirts of the GTA are very good opportunities to buy and invest. So I've done investments myself in uh, places like Kingston, um, you know, Hamilton. Uh, these are great cities to invest in. Uh, other areas to consider are Barrie, uh, Port Perry, Owen Sound, Timmins even. Um, where else can I mention? There's a ton of places. Uh, there's, there's Port Hope, there's, uh, there's Ottawa. 
Um, I would say pretty much, you know, a lot of places within Southern Ontario and even some parts of Northern Ontario are great, great rental markets and have a lot of great demand as well. Um, and the reason for that, I keep coming back, is the population is growing in Canada and a lot of people do come to Ontario. So a lot of these outskirts, I think, are great places to invest in. And the great part is that you can get these properties for a lot cheaper than what you would in Toronto. So don't be afraid to venture out. In terms of property management, you can always hire a manager to manage that for you. And so it's really, really hands off. I think you'll benefit a lot from these outskirts uh, within Toronto. Yeah, that, that, sound, that sounds really, really good. And I guess especially with those cheaper prices, you probably run into a lot more cash flowing opportunities. A lot more cash flowing opportunities. And also the rental demand, you'd be surprised as to how high in demand these places are. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, we have an investment property in Kingston, uh, my partners and I, and I keep referring to this. We put up our ad on Kijiji probably a week later, we had about 25 inquiries and 10 rental applications. So you can see how in demand we are uh, in terms of rental opportunities for cities in these outskirts. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense. And this next question kind of is a segue um, into that. So where can I find good good cash flowing property in Ontario that will also give me a good appreciation over time? I got a budget of around 600,000. And my second question is, is do you still recommend purchasing pre-construction condos? A lot of people I know speak to tell me this is a bad investment because condos have maintenance fees and they can be incredibly expensive. And now I'm also hearing that people are cash flow negative and with the market shifting, they cannot close on their condos because of appraisal issues. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question there as well, but a very good one. Um, I think the first mistake uh, this individual is making is trying to get something that will cash flow and appreciate at the same time. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, Brian Buffini, who is one of our real estate mentors. And he mentioned to me that when you're in the market for a property and your idea is to get something which will cash flow and appreciate, you're going to get neither of them. So when you invest, the first thing you need to do is decide, do I want cash flow or do I want appreciation? And then you go and look for your property. The good thing is that when you decide one, you're probably going to end up getting both eventually. So that should be your mindset. Now, if you have a budget of about 600000 I think you can still find a good cash flowing property, probably in the outskirts, again, of the GTA, where you're going to have to find maybe a duplex or a triplex. And because interest rates have gone up, you know, you might see cash flow a little bit less, but you're going to have to find an older property, maybe even go towards Windsor, Chatham, Ontario, uh, and Timmins, these areas to find good cash flowing properties within that budget. The second question you had was, do you still recommend pre-construction condos? Um, Obviously you've spoken to a lot of people who said that it's not a good investment, um, but I think that advice is also wrong. A lot of pre-construction condos have done very well for a lot of people. And I hear all the time as well that condos are a bad investment. It really depends on what you like and what you prefer. You know, for condos, for me, I like investing in condos because it allows me to do a forced saving over time. It's a longer closing. I don't have to get a mortgage right away. And so I make that appreciation in between. And even if you don't make any appreciation in between, you've got an asset that you hold on to. And when you rent it out, it may be negative cash flow. However, there are going to be returns of appreciation going forward because, again, population is growing and people are going to have to find a place to live and rents are going up. So in the long run, it's always going to be a good investment. You just have to find the right location, the right price, and also the right builder as well. Yeah, it's just like everything else. It sounds like it's uh, due diligence is the, the answer there. Right. Always due diligence and doing, doing your research and talking to people that are professionals as well.
yeah, that makes that makes total sense. I personally wouldn't do any of this stuff without a professional, and I hang around them all day, so that says something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last question we have here. Um, I'm currently getting $2,800 a month for my rental townhome in Richmond Hill. Um, I saw on my street that some townhomes are going for as much as 3300 a month. I would love to increase my rent, but I am limited due to the rent control. How can I increase my rent to cover the extra costs of interest rates, property taxes, which have gone up? Yeah, that's, that's a good question as well. The fact of the matter is that you likely won't be able to increase your rental amount because of rent control unless your property was built after November 2018, where rent control uh, does not apply. Um, so it depends on the age of your home. Um, I understand that you're getting way below market value, but I tell my clients that at the time you rented out your property, you were getting market value at that time. And so rents continue to go up. What matters is whether or not your tenant is a good tenant or not. Is he paying you rent? And sometimes that is more important than the actual money itself. I've seen people who have upcharge up their tenants illegally. And what ends up happening is that they don't get any rent. And so cost benefit analysis, right? I understand costs have gone up, mortgage rates have gone up, uh, property taxes have gone up. And I would just advise, just do your yearly cap uh, rent increase you're allowed to um, and build that relationship with your tenants to make sure that you know they're happy and you're happy. And real estate is always a long-term investment. So there's always going to be ups and downs. That's what you signed up for. But at the end of the day, if you're going to hold on long-term, you will see things bounce back and you are going to make significant equity and more money in the future. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense yeah. when it comes to uh, the rental market and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And for me, it sounds like having a, a good tenant who pays rent on time and respects your property is worth more than a hundred bucks extra a month. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That that's that's a big deal, and I think people underestimate that. Um, there's a lot of stories out there of people not paying rent, but there's also a lot of good stories out there of people having good relationship with their tenants and landlords. And those stories don't kind of get mentioned in the media as well. Um, so it's important to know that. Um, I think we're done with the questions. Yep. So thank you, Nick, again for all those questions. And there was a lot more questions I had coming. I couldn't answer all of them. But we'll probably do another part two series of this where we'll answer some of your pressing questions. But thank you so much. I hope this was helpful. If you have any further questions about the market or in general just want to come and uh, talk and talk about stats or whatever, give me a shout. I'll be happy to answer. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. See you guys.